C-A-M-P-A-D-U-L-T-H-O-O-D Camp Adulthood Bridging the Millennial Divide One conversation at a time Interviewing guests Strangers and friends We hope that you enjoy your stay at Camp Adulthood Hi, welcome to Camp Adulthood and the Resident Youth. I'm Camp Adulthood, Shay Keats. And I'm the Resident Youth, Maddie Yergi. And we are joined by an esteemed guest. I'm flattered. Michael Meldrum. Hello. Hello. Maddie, how do you and Michael know each other? How do we know each other? We go... Uh, we've known each other since uh, high school. High school. And then we've stayed in touch ever since. Yes. Oh, we used to sweet. date also. Yeah. I feel like that's the oh, headline. Maddie's boyfriend. First boyfriend. No, yeah. not the first. No, not But um, a memorable one. Yeah. It was fun. We can get into it later. All right. Good times. Good times. But first, Michael, would you like to uh, give us a brief intro about yourself? Like, how old are you? Where are you from? What do you do with your life now? Maybe sure, a fun fact. Sure. Uh, so I'm another Michigan guest uh, from southeast Southeast Michigan, uh, Birmingham, Michigan, to be more precise. Uh, I went to high school with Maddie, and then I went to the University of Michigan. I got a degree in chemical engineering, and now I work as a gas engineer for a utility company in Detroit. I mean, I, there's only one of them. So. Yeah, there's only one of them. Um, so <laughs> any person with just like two seconds of research could probably deduce which company I work for. Um, it, it's DT Gas. That's, <laughs> that's the company I work for. It's <laughs> great. I'll well, we say won't it. say anything disparaging awesome. about DTE Gas. Yeah, great company. And a fun fact yeah. about yourself. A fun fact about myself. Uh, a hobby, something you like. A hobby. Uh, I'm really good at Minesweeper. Oh, good. Oh, I don't even really know what that is, except that it's a game. You probably do. Um, it, it, w- it was on every Windows XP computer. It's where you click all the squares and um, you try not to hit the mine. Like, you click mm. a square and then some of them clear and then there's numbers, and from that you can tell how many mines are. Sounds fascinating. Yeah, fascinating. <laughs> Great. Um, Shay, do you have a millennial moment to share with us? Um, well, I think my millennial moment is that I did not eat enough snacks today, and snacks are really important to millennials, and I'm really hungry, which also might be why I feel really tired right now. And I expressed this to Maddie by sending her a series of, well, one GIF, and then I expressed (laughs) it to some other friends by sending a series of GIFs, so... Very millennial. I love it. Mostly of the little girl, if you guys have seen this one, she is at the beach and she goes, I'm going to take a nap right here. And she like lays down in the sandy water. And I love that one. That's a classic. Mm-hmm. Amazing. Um, my millennial moment, I don't really have like a great one, but I was thinking, Michael and I saw Dear Evan Hansen yesterday and it was good and it is very millennial because they have you guys get tickets i thought they were very hard to get tickets no i mean they were expensive but um i I bought them at least a month in in advance oh good but i mean the seats we were like up high but it was still like you could see everything yeah um like it was fine you can see the actors faces very well from that seat um they didn't but it's also like a musical so it's like the actors faces are not as important but anyways, so one of the big parts of that show is they have all these screens with, with like, Facebook feeds, and it's supposed to show that, like, these mm-hmm. kids in high school are online, and they're all, like, FaceTiming and stuff. And before the show, they were showing, like, Kanye West tweets, <laughs> which was kind of weird. Yeah. Um, oh, Kanye. What was that one that we saw on the screen? It was like... Uh, it was like, I can't uh, be managed. I don't know. I, I read no, them okay. all, so I, I don't... I kind of remember it. I'm kind of paraphrasing here but it was something along the lines of uh thank you for embarking on this creature journey yeah. with me yeah what does that mean? it was weird he's very enigmatic that kanye yeah, yeah it was weird so anyways i highly recommend dear evan hansen it's a very millennial musical i think 
Um, Michael, you said you had infinity millennial moments. Yeah, infinity. Um, Michael, I mean, by the way, for our listeners, sorry not to interrupt, but he has been the one that has sent us some of those wonderful letters that we have shared with our listeners. So um, now we have him here in the flesh to share his uh, musings yeah, with yeah. you. Can you even believe it? <laughs> Long time listener, first time visit. Um, so tell us. Here. Yeah, I mean, I, moment. I mean, I listen to this podcast like when I work, like I'll be at my desk and I have my headphones in. So um, and then I, I planned this trip to New York like a, a month ago. And she, Maddie asked me if I wanted to be part of the podcast. So I'm like, okay. And they're probably going to ask me for a millennial moment. And there have been a few things in the past weeks that I was like, oh, this is, this is like podcast material right here. Lay it on us. Okay, so the first one. Um, little backstory. I, I volunteer for uh, Big Brothers, Big Sisters. Um, great organization. Yeah, it's great. Um, so I have a little, he's, he's 10 years old. Side note, when Michael said he had a little, I thought it was, like, a fraternity thing. Because I'm trash. But anyways, you have a little. Yeah, I have a little. And last Saturday, we went to Dick's Sporting Goods with his mom. His mom was buying him athletic gear because he's starting soccer soon. Um, And we were picking out cleats. And the ones that he picked out himself that he wanted to get, we didn't get them because they were just way expensive. But the ones that that he picked out were just the gaudiest shoes I've ever seen in my life. It was like this bright red electric whatever. The, the kind of shoes that... I don't know if you guys watch sports a lot. Like football, soccer. No, we don't. Okay. I don't know about you, Shay, but I don't. So uh, Not regularly, no. Right, right. well, there's this... Except during the Olympics. There's this trend where athletes have been wearing these neon shoes and... Is it supposed to, like, distract the other players? Um, no, no, I, I don't think that's the reason. Well, maybe it is, I don't know. But it's, when you watch it on TV, like, you, it draws so much attention to the feet. Like, they'll just be wearing, you know, just a kind of a boring uniform, and then they'll have, like, these neon green shoes, and that's, like, all you can look at. And I, I think it's for branding, you know. Yeah. The, the brands want people to pay attention to their, to their shoes, um... Though I think it's also that little kids just like gaudy things. Like it's true, the taste level is not there yet. Um, I don't know if you guys, uh, if you watched college football, you know the Oregon Ducks. They wear these. Oh yeah, Shay is in Oregon. That's where she yes. lives. Yes. I forget if I'm supposed to like the Ducks or hate the Ducks. It's very confusing. Yeah, they they have a they have a new uniform like every week, and it's always awful. It's always like lime green, and. So I, I think it goes beyond branding. It's just like these, these kids, they're like, they're like these awful taste in clothes. You should lead your little out of the path of despair. Yeah, I was trying to tell him like, get these. They're like minimalist. You know, they're everything you what want. What did he say? You know, you shouldn't. Your your feet shouldn't be like the center of attention. That's true. Your face should. Yeah, it should be your face. And your personality. And your skill. Yeah, when you play soccer, everyone should be looking at your face, seeing how happy you are. <laughs> That's it's the true. point of soccer. Amazing. The most smiles wins. Great. Yeah. Um, other millennial moments. Other millennial. Okay, this one's a shorter story. So, at work, I have a manager who's, I think he's over 60 years old. And every afternoon at noontime, he, he goes for a walk for about 40 minutes. <laughs> I thought okay. it was just like a health thing. But health. then the other day, I, I approached his desk from behind and I looked at his phone and he was catching a Pidgey on Pokemon Go. Oh. This was like two months ago. I thought the Pokemon Go thing was over. No. I know two people who do that. And this manager is one of them. Wow. That's, That's pretty excellent. interesting. I love that. Yeah. Great. Um, so, Shay, do you have a hot topic? Well, um, I do have a hot topic. So in the process of doing some hard-hitting journalistic research for an interview we're going to do in the future, um, I was suggested a few topics from future fans through my friend Krista. This will all make sense at some point, but I don't want to give it away. So (laughs) 
it will not make sense today what I'm talking about, as do most things. Um, but anyway, so Krista had been talking about the millennial topic. Krista, for those of you who don't remember, we did a some more with her several months ago in which she read from her teenage diaries, and it was awesome. But she was talking with some of her friends, and she kind of was polling them about their thoughts on millennials, and they came up with two interesting topics that I kind of wanted to share with the group and get your thoughts on. And then also for a campfire topic, um, unless this is your campfire topic, Maddie, we should talk about our uh, the suggestion from our listener. Oh, yeah. We can do that. Right that in. sounds good. Yeah, I have it pulled up. Okay. Anyway, so Krista said two things. Number one, some people were saying that they think the generation that older millennials identify with has to do with their siblings. If they have siblings born in the 70s, they may feel more Gen X themselves. If they have younger siblings, they may feel more millennial. Um, as the only older millennial in this group, I have to say I think that is true as someone with a you know younger sibling. I definitely probably relate a little more to the millennials than to gen x but i don't know if that's because of the sibling thing or yeah. not but i i see that would make I know. sense when i talked to sarah shecker when i interviewed her she felt that because she's younger she's like 20 but she has a brother who's like 27 28 and so he's like firmly a millennial and she was like yeah because of that she feels more connected to like millennials than like gen y so mm -hmm. i mean my brother and i are so close in age that like i don't know if it's really specific to me but michael you have siblings that are yeah older. i do i think that actually makes sense i think that makes a lot of sense um because you're the youngest yeah um a lot of my tastes and things things that i like music that i like is uh has been influenced by my brother well uh, your brother also has very particularly good tastes in yeah stuff. i would say so i mean hello I, scott he used to he used to drive me around places because you know he's three years older he got his license so he was tasked with doing that and I would listen to his music, and then that became the music that I was into. Um, so I adopted his tastes that were maybe uh, maybe people, other people in my age group might might not, not be have as been exposed to. to. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, and then uh, the second point this group brought up, uh, and Krista said she had never considered this, and she thinks it's an excellent point. And I think we have talked about this, but not to any great conclusion. Um, when people make the distinctions about millennials being kids who grew up with the internet, it doesn't really take poor people into consideration. There are lots of people whose families couldn't afford the internet when they were kids. Um, and then she quotes from a girl in the group. She goes, I think most people make the distinction around the internet, but forget poor people didn't grow up with the internet. I think the declaration is a nod to computer classes in school, which I did have. And then I think she was referring to her husband because she's saying, as did Ryan, who was born in 1978. I think the stigma that goes with being a millennial is what creates a hesitation. Um, uh, and then it doesn't really relate, but I'll read it anyway. The generation behind us are the douchebags that always had um, internet and cell phones and tech, and they don't have minors and are entitled. That they are changing sexism and racism for the better. Wow, this so person is a hater. Yeah, this is a iGen hater. Uh, but anyway, I thought that was interesting because um, we do talk about this because I've mentioned on the pod before growing up in a rural area, the internet was not readily available to us. Um, but the thing that I think about this is because we did have the internet in schools and at least we were learning about it and we were aware of it. I think for a lot of kids, it opened up the world to them, you know, and as a poor kid, certainly I can speak to being in, you know, especially, you know, my classmates in a rural area, they saw a whole world outside of kind of this rust belt life. Um, so I think that's something interesting to kind of think about, like, how much the internet does influence us and by falling back on that as the distinction we need to be careful not to do our generation a disservice I guess because it's more nuanced than that it's true there's still kids who like don't have internet though right like yeah I would I'm imagine sure. it's definitely not a hundred percent of people I don't know what the statistic is like that, you could look that up that but. doesn't even make intuitive sense for me because I, I feel like you know if you don't have internet now like, if you're a kid, then you're just... I mean, it definitely puts you at a disservice. That puts you decades behind everyone else. Yeah. You're going to be like, you know, the you know Napoleon Dynamite, how they were like two decades behind everyone else. You know, 
there's like a whole yeah it really of N- napoleon dynamites who don't have the internet confession i've never actually watched napoleon dynamite the whole you would through. hate it but when i, I think about it i think it is in the same category as spongebob for me <laughs> shay hate also hates spongebob <laughs> so much uh yeah i think that's that's a good point good point um my hot topic oh actually shay do you want to go through the one from our submission from oh our fan sure. before i uh, go into so- mine we had mentioned, hold on, I'm pulling it up here, uh, that we, oops, that's not how the internet works, uh, had an article, sorry guys. So while she's really pulling like... it up, I can intro this. So it was sent to us um, by Shay's dad and also a listener, Megan. So thank you, Megan, for writing us mm-hmm. a lovely note and sending this to us. Very thoughtful. Exactly. All right. Sorry about that. I clicked. I have so many Gmail addresses. This is a millennial moment that it's very hard for me to like find the correct one and log in. All right. Here we go. So Megan says, do, 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 do. Um, She says, you know, she is, she goes, hey there, I'm a new listener um, and I'm loving the podcast. I can so relate to the conversations you're having, both as an ancient millennial and working in a corporate environment where I recruit and develop multi-generational talent. Anyway, this article was posted recently and has been a topic of discussion around our water cooler, and I thought it would be up your alley if you have not already seen it. Um, so thank you, Megan. Uh, really appreciate your thoughts and that you wrote in to us. Um, but anyway, so the article is um, from... A publication called Axios, which I am not familiar with. I am. Uh, but they mostly do like politics. Stuff. Yeah. And it says millennials are blaming baby boomers for ruining their lives. I love um, that. It's my favorite topic. Yeah. So it's got, so basically it starts by saying, beset by big college loans, inheriting two wars, and facing an uncertain future of work, a majority of millennials say baby boomers have made things worse for them. And a lot of boomers agree, according to a new (laughs) Axios poll. Glad they're finally Um, taking responsibility. Yeah, exactly. But I just want to say this is, there are a few things that kind of like, bothered me about this article i mean i'm all for hating on the boomers not really i like boomers a lot but um it's interesting it says 30 percent of boomers say their policies created by boomers made uh things worse for millennials 32 percent said it made things better and 34 percent said that it had done neither so millennials made various suggestions about how to improve matters and they put three examples in this article and uh, one that was just kind of neutral as a number said, impeach Trump and vote. We all know how I feel about voting. I love it so much. It's well, my favorite thing. Trump thing is dumb. Yeah. And that is dumb as well. Um, but then there were two things and it just, it really irked me the two direct quotes they picked because it said uh, a 34 year old male Republican said, quote, remove all old government officials and term limits for house and Congress end quote. And I was like, okay, yeah, that I mean, tells whatever. me nothing. Yeah. yeah, that tells me nothing. But it's just like, I'm a, a male Republican. But then this is the quote, and it just really bothers me that this is the one they picked for a woman and a Democrat. It said, a 22-year-old female Democrat said, sleep more because you'll be less sensitive to negative emotions. I was like, really? Uh. That's what you chose to put? Like, it is so misogynistic and so just in generally like. It's. I mean, I know there's some dumb girl out there who definitely said that, but to like use that as kind of like the definitive, um, you yeah. know, <clears throat> it's dumb suggestion really bothered me. Yeah. But um, anyway, and then it goes on to talk about how uh, millennials feel much less confident in their fiscal responsibility than their elders, and 56% of millennials say they are extremely um, or very responsible, and how. They manage their money compared with 80% of those 70 years old or more. So anyway, have baby boomers ruined it? Again, thank you, Megan, and thank you to my dad for suggesting this article. What do you guys think? So I'm not against sleep. Obviously, people should get more (laughs) sleep. Um, I think people lack a lot of sleep. But going into, like, sensitivity, oh, my gosh. And that's the one they use? Mm Mm-hmm. It's dumb. I have an anecdote to kind of go along with this, which I thought of when... Yes, please share. Megan first sent this and I read it in the inbox that um, I always, you know, I'm kind of the boomer hater of the group um, and we've talked about it a lot and it's something that I kind of used to like 
goat my parents a little bit, and it's kind of like a haha funny thing. Obviously, I don't actually hate boomers, but I do think that they've done a lot of things that are kind of in the moment or short-sighted without doing a lot of the long-term planning associated with that. And one thing, um, I was talking to a particular boomer recently, and he was talking about retiring, and he's in his like mid to late 50s, and he was like, yeah, I pr- I'm not going to get full Medicaid or Medicare benefits until I'm 67. And so he was like, I still have a good like five to 10 years of work left. And I kind of chuckled at him because he's a conservative. And I was like, oh, well, these are all of the policies. Like he was kind of lamenting like, oh, I can't retire earlier because the healthcare and stuff, they keep pushing it back later and later. And I was like, oh, yeah, well, that's the the policies that you're voting for and he was like yeah well I thought you know that would be for the older boomers and not the younger boomers he was like I thought that would be for like the 70 year olds not the 50 year olds and so I just thought that was like such a telling moment about boomers in particular that they're and obviously you know we were kind of teasing each other and I don't think if we were having a serious conversation about it he would have said something but there's always a little bit of truth and humor that like it's all about the theory and it's all about, you know, what's good for the co- the greater good, so to speak, the the utilitarian approach, but what it actually affects you and when you, you don't, it's easy to not think about the people coming after you. Um, but I do think as a millennial, and I don't know if you guys agree with this or if I'm being too harsh, but I think millennials, while there are a lot of great qualities about us, I think that there is a little bit of scapegoating in the millennial generation, mm-hmm. at least I've seen with my friends and like, people not, you know, taking personal responsibility oftentimes for mm-hmm. their own situation and saying, oh, it's it's because I live in an expensive city that I can't save money or it's because I yeah, grew up this way or it's because I have, you know, it's a lot of times pushed externally. So, yeah, no, something. I agree with that. And I also think there's a lot of uh, we live and again, this is something we talk about often, but we live in a time where everything is extremely polarized and it, it can't be a myriad of factors that are contributing to your struggle, right? Like everybody right. has to distill it down to one thing. Right. Which is so why I the think, impeach Trump thing bothers me so much because it's yeah. like, that's so dumb. But anyways. Yeah, exactly. So I think it's just that our, you know, there is a tendency, I agree, Maddie, among our particular generation to treat the symptoms and not the core yeah so how do you feel michael well on the topic of personal responsibility um i mean i agree that i think the point about the boomers crashing the housing market obviously that's a good point obviously i mean they did it that's it was them we were children then it was obviously them um but also as as someone who took a very practical degree in college Yeah. do you want to talk a little bit about that like you're because you live at home yeah and you oh yeah kind of what what has been your not to step on we'll go back to the hot topics but just to give more context for what you're about to say like kind of what was the thought process behind getting the degree you did and why you decided to stay at home yeah I mean when I reflect on it I am just the model of practicality here (laughs) um I mean I, I gotta I majored in chemical engineering because, you know, I knew that would get me a job. Um, and I knew it would get me a pretty good paying job. And there's also the living at home thing. Um, I don't have to pay for rent. I don't have to pay a mortgage. I don't have to pay for utilities. Um, mm-hmm. And there's also the added benefit of um, being near my family. Some people hate that, but I happen to like my family. I um, like my family, too. It's nice to be close. Yeah. So, I mean... I see all these people, you know, I I don't want to be a dream crusher. You know, I I hate being that, but there's some things that are more marketable. And, you know, if if you get a, if you do a degree in something that's fun, it'll it'll be fun for the four years you're in college, but, you know, you'll still have the rest of your life after that. Um, And it kind of pains me to see when people a lot of people struggle yeah when they, when they struggle after they come out of college though at the what same... what do you consider to be these fun majors that aren't practical uh like performing arts or um or uh something like history or um, oh we're gonna lo- fight now michael the humanities yep i guess the humanities in general I mean, maybe 
Well, I think it depends on what you do with it. I think we have a lot of friends where there are people that are like, if if you want to be a, a, a historian, like, yes, there are only a set amount yeah. of jobs and they're very difficult. But we talked about this last week in an episode that you haven't yeah. listened to yet, where a lot of people with humanities degrees, like I work at a bank and almost mm-hmm. half the people don't have finance and accounting degrees. They have humanities right. degrees. But I think that there are a lot of people, which I think is what you're talking about, where it's like, they want it to be kind of this intellectual exploration forever without realizing that most jobs have nothing to do with that. You know what I mean? I mean, I I would concede that if you have a humanities degree, you can definitely have transferable skills. Um, You just have to know how to market that. Um, Though it's harder to market that, I would say. Um, So yeah, I'm ready to listen to what you think, Chad. Well, I mean, I think we already... I don't want to cut this conversation short, but since we did just have it last week and in an episode that's airing tomorrow, I don't want to rehash it out too soon for our listeners, but just, you know, I think that humanities teach critical thinking skills and I don't, but as I say this as well, like I think that there's a huge value in a history degree or an English degree etc. when it's part of a strong core curriculum. So you're majoring in English, but you also have to take a math class and a biology class and whatever. So I think that's one part of it. I I agree. I see both sides of it. I think it is practical, but I also think people don't think about the next step. And it's like with a history degree, you have to think about what you want to do with your life once you graduate. It doesn't have to be day one of freshman year being like, well, this is what I want to do. But once you graduate if your goal is to be like a PhD or something or like teach and you actually really want to be like a historian and have your life be all about, you know, Mm -hmm. academics, then that's, I think just as hard as, you know, trying to get into law school or medical school or something like that. And it takes a lot of planning. And I think a lot of people just pick humanities or liberal arts because they don't know what else to pick. Whereas something like what Michael did, you have to really set yourself up from like day one and like apply to a special school and like, you have to be able to do all of these very specialized things from like day one. So I think people that choose that tend to be a little bit more focused, shall we say, sometimes. Obviously, I'm speaking in generalizations, but oh. um, I think with the performing arts thing, I think that's different from the humanities because yeah. I think yeah. there's less transferable skills from that and quite frankly, less critical thinking skills well, depending on the program. But I, w- I, w- I want to give a little more background on myself. So in high school, um, anyone who knows me in high school knows that I was very into theater yeah. and singing and acting. Um, it, it's pretty much all I did for act, after-school activities. Um, so I, I did seriously consider doing it for college. Uh, and I, you know, when I toured colleges, so, sometimes that was, that was what my focus was. Um, luckily, I was also good at math and science, um, so I looked at that too. And w- when I evaluated it, you know, I... I looked at the career of an actor, you know, it's not quite what it is in, like, high school. You know, you're hanging with your friends backstage, doing shenanigans, having fun in you're rehearsal. You are getting lead roles, like... Yeah, I was getting lead roles, and not, you know, not just getting them, but, like, going into auditions and expecting it, to yeah. be honest. Not to sound narcissistic, but, um, I, I, mean, I was very I there's a small population in high school of people that are, have those skills, you know? Yeah, um... But I, I, I looked at it, and it, the actual career of an actor isn't really quite like that. Um, it, it seemed that I would spending I would be spending most of my time auditioning. Like, 80% of my time is just auditioning, not even doing the actual job. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, I mean, 80% of your job is applying for a job. And in the meantime, you're going to be eating mac and cheese exclusively for weeks on I end. I mean, I love mac and cheese. That sounds great. Sounds um, great. No, I get what you're saying, though. It's, it, it's a hard life. I mean, we have friends that are doing it and people that have been on this podcast that are really, you know, they're go-getters and they definitely have the work ethic. But compared to the lifestyle you have, even if you weren't living at home and saving all this money, compared to what they're doing, I mean, it is a trade-off for sure. I, Yeah, and I guess just what I'm saying is with my many years of life experience over you guys is there's plenty of people like – if you get a good liberal arts degree, which liberal arts includes science and technology, you you still have the the world is still your oyster. So like 
be deciding to study biology or chemistry or engineering or English or history or poli sci, it doesn't really matter because I know plenty of people who studied biology who are now working in marketing and plenty of people who studied marketing who are now nurses. So I think it's just to be aware that your undergraduate choice doesn't have to define yeah. where you go next. It definitely and doesn't have to define you. options no matter what you do. But you have to have a plan. Like the person yeah. that had the, like the example you gave of the person that's now a nurse, like at some point they had to make the decision, I'm going to become a nurse and have some sort yeah, of trajectory. But it's, not but it's definitely inhibiting. doable. Right. Yeah. But I think, and I think the problem is oh, the sorry. people that are unfocused and don't have that kind of trajectory yeah i would also add that like people who romanticize what their career would be um this isn't just the humanities actually it's like um you know like nursing yeah teaching um teaching especially it's called work for a reason yeah when you when you see what's happening in the news you know teachers walking out um because they're not getting paid enough and they're not education's not being funded enough um you know, you got to see that something's there. And in the four years that it takes you, well, I guess two years if you had the master's degree that a lot of schools require, um, then, you know, six years from now, that it, it probably won't be fixed, to be honest. Um, and you have to come to grips with that. Not, not saying that if you want to be a teacher, you shouldn't be a teacher, but you have to come to grips with what the realities are at the, at the present moment. Yeah. I agree. Well, and I think that's just the process of growing up. Like at the end of the day, a job is a job and there's always going to be parts of a job that are work and that you don't like. But I think the other thing, just to kind of circle back to what we were again talking about is, you know, the humanities is I just want to add a little disclaimer. I'm not being like everyone should be able to study whatever they want. I definitely have advised people who are like, I want my major is going to be. Uh, African sandcastles from the 16th century. I'm definitely the one who's like, just why don't you major in art and minor in history? Yeah. That sounds great. Well, I think you that know, sounds so, like a pretty niche specialization. Exactly. <laughs> I think you can so make a lot of money doing that. I mean, maybe. But I think there's definitely a, you know, there's a difference between doing something very specific and romanticizing what your career is going to be like and taking something that teaches you critical thinking skills i definitely agree with that i think that's a very practical approach yeah so michael do you have a campfire topic for Uh, us anything from the news or just millennial topics in general that you want to discuss i I was going to bring this up earlier in the millennial moment um but since it came up that you know i i did uh theater and uh choir in high school i I think that's a good segue are you gonna sing for for what i'm about to tell you oh god yeah okay so when i um when I did theater in uh, in high school, um, my un- my great uncle Vince he would always tell me um, that my grandfather and my great grandfather were very into performance, just like I was. They liked singing, they liked performing, um, and that's probably where I got my performing genes from. Um, so, yeah, that was like eight years ago. Flash forward to last month. I learned from my brother that my grandfather, who passed away in 2005, um, he wrote a book. I got it right here. Michael is picking up the book. I love this. Is this, are you going to sing it, is my question. (laughs) Michael will sing later. We have to warm him up. Yeah, you have to. He doesn't want to get clammy. I I will get clammy. Okay, so my grandpa wrote a book. It's called In This World for 80 Plus Years. Um... The title's kind of inspired <laughs> by Around the World in 80s, 80 Days. Oh, I like I it. See. I like it a lot. So basically what my grandpa does in this book is he goes year by year, um, gives out the major developments in his life and the things that happened in, in the news. Um, each year is like a page to two page synopsis. Um, so we get to like 1925. <laughs> I really hope this is going somewhere. And, he, and, and this is around the time that he starts taking music lessons in school, and he starts becoming part of a band. That's um, cool. In the 20s. That's very that's like cool. Yeah. How old is he in 1925? Like, Oh, he's, eight? he's like... Well, no, this is like, yeah, 8, 10. I forget which year he was born, actually. But, um... 
So he, he starts talking about the music classes he was taking, and he starts talking about his parents, who are also into music. Um, so my grandfather's name is Jim. My great-grandfather's name is Elmer. That was something new that I also learned. Oh, that was Elmer. Very... That's Elmer. Nice yeah. Um, so, <laughs> God, I can't believe I'm about to read this. <laughs> Do it. In 1925. Okay. In this 1920- is an excerpt from the book. Michael yes. is now reading directly. Okay. I'm reading directly. In 1925, my older brother, Ward, I had a, I had a uncle named Ward. That's cool. I like, Ward's a good name. He passed away in the late 40s, unfortunately. I did not know that. Um, I guess that's sad. In 1925, my older brother, Ward, and I started taking piano lessons from Sister Grace at school. He went to Catholic school. Uh, my mother yes. knew how to play the piano, and my dad was a singer. He sang in the Choral Union at the University of Michigan, which was part of the May Festival every year. He also sang in the church choir, the Lyra Male Chorus, and appeared in Minstrels, which were very popular at the time. Oh, aren't those, like, blackface yeah. things? Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Oh, well, you know. You know. Like one does. <laughs> is, that the, is that the punchline? That is the punchline. And it oh, goes does on he to talk say, a lot about that? No, he... After that, he says, he was the interlocker, the main man in the dialogue in these stage shows. That's all he says about it. Nothing, no mention of it before. No commentary of it after. He See, just leaves it See, I don't know a lot about minstrels. Are they all in blackface? Yeah. Oh. Yeah. That's bad. Because well, I was like... they have, like, minstrels during the Middle Ages? Um, that was something different? Oh, that, no, that was something different. I think that oh, was legit. Okay. I know what you're talking about, Shay. Those were yeah. like the singing groups and like the jesters yeah, and stuff. But, but the minstrels in the 20s loops. were specifically racist, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Is there... yeah. So that's where I get my performing genes from. So think about that when we sing karaoke tonight or tomorrow night. Wow. Oh, are you guys yeah. going to do karaoke? Are you going to do the Eddie Murphy song for us now? <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I can sing a song by a, a black man after I just said that. Um... <laughs> Well, that's interesting. I mean, it's always interesting to read your family history. Yeah. yeah, I have nothing um, that that's that's uh, interesting. I guess a few other fun facts. Um, On the topic of social mobility, um, in the 40s, he went from being in debt to having paid off his mortgage in the span of like four, or not four years, 10 years. He was like, he was like decently wealthy after a span of 10 years. I thought that was interesting. That's interesting, yeah. Um, I also learned that he got a tonsillectomy on his kitchen table. That's (gasps) terrible. And that was like the how common thing. How was that happen? How did that happen? See, this goes back to my thing of like I don't know how people survived before the year 1960. This is something I've talked about previously. Like, how did people not just die of like common ailments all the time? Well, I think they did. But like tuberculosis. Enough people made it though. Like, it's not like 50 percent of the population died like right then. You know what I mean? It's like enough people made it to the next generation to like populate you know well he has a chapter on the flu epidemic in what was it 1918 oh really so yeah it's like a bunch of people died it was terrible that's wow i also learned um i'm not the first meldrum to work at dte gas he worked it was called michigan consolidated gas at the time um and he worked at the gas manufacturing plant. Back in the day, they didn't use natural gas. They didn't drill it from the ground. They created it by a process called coal gasification. That sounds very dangerous and bad yeah, for the environment. Yeah, it was. Um, it created a lot of carbon monoxide, so if your gas leaked, you died. That sucks. Yeah, and um, also it created a lot of pollution that they're still cleaning up on the Huron River today. Wow. Well, that well, is an excellent campfire topic. That is excellent. Um, Thank you for sharing that family history with us, Michael. Yeah. You're welcome. I love it. Um, Mary and Scott will be so proud. Um, so my campfire topic, this is a suggestion from producer Jenny, all the way from France. Ooh, shout uh, out producer Jenny. And she, and I thought she sent it to me earlier this week and I was like, this would be really good for Michael and for Shay because I think you guys definitely have more experience with this than I do. But she was saying as the youngest person in her family, she has older siblings and her parents are a little bit older that like she's never in their eyes able to get out of like the kid teenager phase. So like as an adult, she'll be like, Hey, I have this suggestion. We should do this thing. Or like, and like she sees them as more of an equal, not obviously you're never like an equal to your parents, but like she sees herself as like an equal party and like we're all adults kind of thing. And they 
just kind of dismiss her sometimes or she feels that way like around adults and especially like when she goes back home and you kind of revert back to that being um a kid again so the baby yeah yeah, as people you know obviously Shay you're the oldest but you've had experience living at home and even living with family now I don't know if you feel this way and Michael is living at home and being the baby I don't know if you guys have any particular experiences with this Uh, yeah I I have a brief comment on that so my my stepmom who I met when I was in the sixth grade um I think she kind of still sees me as that middle schooler and the reason why I say that is because Every time she swears in my presence, she apologizes. Oh, that's sweet. She doesn't do that's that. That's sweet, yeah. I'm also 24. Um, <laughs> Does she do that to, like, your older siblings? No. Like, if she does it in front of, like, Scott? No, she doesn't. I'm, I'm the that's interesting. husky middle, middle schooler. Oh. <laughs> that's kind of sweet. I like that. Yeah. I mean, I feel like I've, you know, being the oldest, I've never really experienced that. Um, I mean, I do get a lot of people, like asking me for advice me giving it them that advice then they do the opposite thing then they yeah. go back and do what i told them to do in the first place but that doesn't have anything to do with my family but that's, that's also just... because you're a wise person and people should just listen thank to you, you all the time thank you but i think the only thing along those lines is because even though i'm older but you know up until recently have been single and not brought you know my consorts around the family i'm the one who always gets like displaced if there's like too many people in the family like too many people in the house it's always the single people that go for do you feel that way like family when like because now your brother's like engaged so do you feel like they get like priority do they do my older like scott yeah um no i mean i mean if you're the baby you're the most in need right Oh, sometimes I mean, sometimes they get more attention. To be honest, I mean, I don't That's like. That's true. I don't especially because you live with them, so it's yeah. like you're. Um, yeah, I feel like I don't know. Not to get into like your family dynamics, but I feel like because you have stayed at home, and maybe your siblings have like moved farther away. Like you're the priority in yeah. their eyes. Do Do you guys um Do you guys ever watch those ABC Family dramas? Uh, they're amazing. So. And every like show, like the one with the pregnant girl. Yeah, pick any, pick okay. any. And every show, there's always that one moment where, like, there's like the daughter and the father. She d- delivers this sign, like, "I'm not your little girl anymore." That's how I feel sometimes. Oh. I'm not their little Aww. boy anymore. Oh, do you have a particular like time that you experience this? Um, I don't know. It's, I, I guess it's mostly around my mom. Um, she'll. That's true. I feel like your mom. She she definitely I mean, she worries just about you. In general, isn't it? Yeah, they, they can't turn it off. It's true. That's what my mom told me once. She was like, she was doing something that was like overbearing, and I was like, "When are you gonna stop?" And she was like, "I'll stop when I'm dead." And I was like, "Oh my god, very <laughs> man." I love it. Like they they, they always Marian. ask, like, "Do you need anything? Is there anything you need from me?" It's like I have an income. Well, that's I nice. Can... Yeah, but you know, it is nice. What has been? I... Oh. Oh, sorry, go on. That's okay. Um, what has been your least favorite part about living at home? It's been sunshine and roses since then. Have you had any particular experiences? What um, happens when you go on Tinder dates? This is where I grill you about your oh, dating life. Okay, yeah. Um, oh my gosh, this is oh, this is so relevant to <laughs> my current situation. Please tell me. This is like therapy. Shay and I are your friends. Yeah, so... Yes, I'm very good at this. Shay is good at giving advice if you need advice. So my parents... Michael is looking very pained right now. Yeah, my my parents... I seem to have struck a a nerve. Oh, no. Oh, no. Let me start by saying this. My my parents fall asleep at around (laughs) 8.30, right? They've always done this. Yes, yes. This is... They're they're morning people. Yeah. And the coffee machine turns on at 5 o'clock. So, between the oh, hour, no. between 8.30 and 5 o'clock is when I have to make my moves, and where everything has to happen, and then... That's a big window. It's a big window, yeah. I could get a lot done. That's a lot of hours. Especially because um, the evening hours, I feel like if it was, like, midnight to, like, 10 a.m., that would be worse than 8.30 to 5. Yeah, but... But maybe not, you can tell us. Here's the thing, though, like, at 5 a.m., when we have to play Mission Impossible and get them out the door, um... Oh, but aren't they already, like, in the bedroom? Yeah, um, 
do your parents bust into your bedroom in the morning? No, they're not. That's weird. They're not nosy. Okay. They're not nosy at all. This would not be possible if they were nosy. So Uh, what happens? So, I mean, like... Well, I guess because your stepmom works at home, too, so she is always around. Yeah, so, I mean, if... If they, if they haven't met this girl before, you know, you, you don't want this to be the context in which they meet, right? Yeah, no, definitely not. Yeah. yeah. Sneaking so, out. Do you send them, like, a, a discreet text the night before being like, FYI, roommate slash parents, I am having a guest over. Be cool. Or no? Um, no. I mean, okay. I... <laughs> <laughs> but, like, wait, where is your bedroom in your parents' house? Uh, like it's, it's like stairs. across the street. The it's like across the hall. Across the street, yeah, across the Aww. corridor. So you have to be like, don't make it too many loud noises. Yeah, we gotta tiptoe. Um, but I mean, the thing is, like at, at five a.m., when I have to push them out the door, um, somewhat rudely. Uh, <laughs> you make them leave at five. I mean, well, here's what I say: it's like you can stay. I, I can't guarantee you won't run into my parents. Now, How do you the decision is on you. Well, that's like, nice that you, like, give them the option. Like, I, I don't force them out the door. Yeah. I'll, I'll say that. Um, but, you know. Yeah, the, that's good. It's very rude to just kick a girl out onto the cold streets of Detroit at 5 a.m. Yeah. I mean, he lives in the suburbs. It's fine. Still. It's a lot nicer. It's not like there's homeless yeah. street urchins in Birmingham. No riffraff. No riffraff. Um... That's cool. How have you felt any like have you gotten like haters? Like if you're out meeting people and you're like I live with my parents. No. Are they um, like weird about it or are people like pretty understanding of that? No, I I, I would even go as far as to say that everyone is understanding. Whenever well, that's I, good. Yeah, I mean That makes me feel good. There's a a little a, a bit of a personal struggle within me like well maybe I should have outgrown this place. No. But, um, I mean, you're going to be laughing. T- I mean, Shay yeah, did this. I'm laughing this. all the way to the bank because you know, yeah. I'm not paying rent or utilities. Um, and people understand that. They say, oh, yeah, smart. Stay there as, as long as you can. Even. Yeah. They'll even go as far as to say that. Um, but, um, yeah, I haven't gotten any. People usually understand. A lot of them live it with their parents, too. That's cool. Have you had any of the reverse situation where you've been the one that's been kicked out at 5 a.m.? Uh... What's your best Tinder story? Oh Are God. you on Tinder? Yeah. Um, <laughs> I love I, it. I, I might be moving towards a face, Facebook official relationship. <gasps> oh my God. I'm, I'm not going to give away too, too many details. I don't want to count my eggs before they hatch. That's very exciting. That's exciting. But, um, yeah, a just, Facebook official relationship. Yeah. Um, I didn't realize you did you meet on Tinder? That. What? Did you meet on Lay Tinder? A different dating app. Oh. Bumble? No. You don't want to say. That's fine. It's called gluten-free. <laughs> oh, okay. I was going to oh, say gluten-free mix singles. That's coffee mixed bagel. Yeah. That's a good one. I like that. Um, <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Maddie's like... I know where you're going to go with that, Maddie. <laughs> There's a dating website called gluten-free singles, and Michael's gluten-free. No. Have Hi. you been on gluten-free no, singles? No, no. Maybe as a joke one as time. As a joke. I, I, I don't even get that. Like, that's your identity. That's, yeah. like, your main feature. That's the centerpiece of your personality. But like, it's hard to, like, have a family or be, like, with a partner who eats gluten-free when you don't. Like, uh, that, yeah. but that's not just, like a walk in the park. That's just too narrow. Yeah, there's not enough commonality there, I feel. But, well, that's exciting. So yeah. how long has this been? Uh, two months. Ooh, that's a long time. That's enough for a Facebook official relationship. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. It's I mean, it's on the cusp. Um, but again, oh, like, this is per- a person that I just met two months ago. So, that's true. I mean, if you this was a person I had known for, you know, a year as a friend, maybe then yeah, we yeah, it, it wouldn't take that long. But that's true. I have to, I have to proceed carefully. I'll I'll tell you a story on why. I love stories. And why we're right now Facebook on mic or yeah. off mic? Okay, no, on, mic. on mic. Okay, great. No, we can keep this. Um, I mean, we're not going to say your name. Yeah, it's fine. And this, this is this story is also a criticism of millennials. Um, That's good. Yeah. Relevant. So it's it's relevant. Um, so there was a person I met on Tinder, uh, I guess, last year, last spring. Um, we w- we went on two dates, but then we just sort of ghosted each other. But then we. <laughs> Then we um, skipped to November 2017. We matched again on Tinder. Oh. It's like, um, I think I want to give this person a second chance. And we did. And it started to go somewhere. Oh. Um, and we started going on dates. Uh, 
and we even hooked up twice. And I thought, wow, we this bit hooked up. Did you bone? Yeah. 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 Cool. Because sometimes people say hook up and it just means you like smooched a little bit. Second base. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I accept both definitions, but. Um, these are home runs. Yeah. Yeah. These are home runs. Um, yeah. And I, I thought this person really liked me. Um, another thing I should mention, this, this person works in the same building as me. Oh, does she also work for the gas company or different company just same building? It, it's DTE, but it's a different business unit. Oh, okay. So, but um, yeah. she works two floors above me. Yeah. I'll say that. I don't run into her a whole lot at work, but um, that's I, good. I do sometimes. Yeah. But the, the reason that's important is because, um, you know, we're within close proximity of each other. She also lives 10 minutes away from where I live. Oh, so logistically, this is a very convenient relationship. Yeah. Um, you'll so see what why... happened. Right. So last time we saw each other on a date slash hookup was I have, I have a very precise timeline here. Great. It was December. It was late December, December thirtieth, if I remember correctly. Okay. Almost New Year's. It was the last time I saw her. Now skip to. Um, one and a half weeks later, okay. I think it was like January, January. 9th, mm-hmm. 7th, 13th, whatever. And on her profile, she changes her relations, relationship status to in a relationship. It doesn't say... On Tinder, she's in a relationship. No, on Facebook. Oh, okay. Okay. It doesn't say with who. Yeah. Uh, now, as I took it, I took that to mean that she... You thought she was in a relationship with you. Yeah. <gasps> oh, no, honey. This is great. Like, I, I had every reason to believe that. Yeah. Every reason to believe that. Oh my it God, really seems like. You guys, like, talking and texting and stuff? Yeah. 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 Um, so, so I was, what did you do? Well, I, I didn't know at the time. I was completely oblivious. Yeah. Right? Um, so I was trying to make plans with her, like, hey, want to see each other this weekend? And uh, she was like, oh, no, I'm, I'm busy. I'm doing something else. I'm like, okay. I just took it for granted yeah. that we would be able to make plans on the weekend, at least yeah. sometime. Um, the next weekend, I ask, uh, do you want to hang out this weekend? Uh, no, I'm doing something else. I'm on call for work. Next weekend, something else. Next so week- did you finally ask her, like, Well, are you ghosting me or are we in a relationship? Well, so there there are many types of ghosting, right? <laughs> There's one where, like... Lay it on us. Where someone just abruptly stops talking to you. Yeah. Uh, you're texting them and they just do not respond. Um, but then there's the slow fade. There's the gradual fade. Yeah. Um, to the point where, you know, it takes a while to realize that you've been ghosted. Um, it, it's called the endurance ghost, I would call it. <laughs> where, endurance, I like Where that. you just delay plans with someone until you just, just hope. Just like infin- infinitely, yeah. yeah. It's, it's probably just the most chicken shit way to ghost someone. It's true. So when, how long did this go before you were like, hey, listen? Well, here's the thing. Each individual week, it sounded like a very legit excuse. Like, it sounded like, okay. But in between the plans, were you, like, sending, like, flirty text messages? Or was it just like, let me make plans? I was just trying to make plans. Um, Okay. Yeah, it was mostly just trying to make plans. Okay. So Um, she never made a plan. Yeah, and and my... um, my plan was that, you know, next time I see her, we're going to talk about this Facebook official thing. Yeah. And we'll just make it known to the world that that Facebook officialness is between you and me. Yeah. Oh, honey. <laughs> and so how did that conversation Yeah, come? so each individual week <laughs> oh seemed God, legit. I'm sorry. I but I'm not like, laughing at you. I'm laughing with you. A month and a half later. Um, just a in month per- and a half? <laughs> in preponderance. And she's like, okay, you can't be that busy. Oh God, and it was yeah. the week of Valentine's Day. I'm like, okay. <gasps> You have to see me this Were week. Were you going and on wait, any other and dates? And this whole time you think she's your girlfriend? Um, Pre-girlfriend. Uh, yeah. yeah, that's pretty much yeah what I was thinking. Um, well, not the whole time. I, I was Is this start- someone I would know if no, she... No, it's okay. not someone you would know. Um, not that you have to I was me. I was starting to get suspicious. I was like, okay. Yeah, I'll say. On Wednesday, oh, oh when God. Valentine's Day is, we're going to have lunch together. Yeah. So asked, oh, yeah, because you work in the same building. So I asked yeah. her if she can have lunch on Wednesday. She said yes. But then the day before she canceled because of something at work, I'm like, okay, we have to see each other this week. Um, Because it's Valentine's Day. Let's see each other after work on a weekday. We haven't done that before, really. Yeah. Um, She says, oh, no, I have a friend from Chicago who's visiting me this week. and More excuses. I was like, okay, this is... 
That's so it. many excuses. Yeah, I, so what happens? Yeah, it's just th- faded? that's when I just stopped talking to her. Oh my god! I was like, I, I moved on. Um, well, that's and good. I threw away the Valentine's card I made for her. Oh, oh my you god. made it! Michael yeah. makes the best. You crafted it. I I can't craft my. I have cards. every card Michael has ever given to me. I don't know if that's weird, that I still have them. But I do. I cherish them because they are handmade Aww. and they're very thoughtful. I didn't see them on the fridge. I mean, <gasps> it's weird. I'm not going to she... make hang your love letters on my fridge. Okay, well. But they're nice. They're for me. Oh, you know? that's sweet. But I still have them and they're very nice. Yeah. So she missed out. She did miss out. So have you... what have we learned from this? That you're going to ask this girl directly. Be like, we're going to yeah, do I it. Mean, I've, Eyes I've been... on. The, the person I'm with currently, I've been asking her hard-hitting questions. Like what? Um, like, are you, are you, are you seeing me? someone else right now? That's good. Um, honestly, these are basic things, but people don't ask them. Yeah, and I, you end I, up. I, I don't want to assume that anymore. Yeah. Um, monogamy is not a good assumption anymore. It feels like, what's mm-hmm. happening to our society? That's um, true. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I ask her other questions too. Like, would I fit in with your friends? Would your family like me? What should I know about your family? Um, that's good. You know, I I made it clear well, I, what my intention is. I I want to go into the Facebook of fish zone. Yeah, <laughs> but you've been seeing this girl more often. Do you like text each other kissy faces and stuff like that? Do you we send do. Your pictures of your dick. Yeah. No. Then I think that's totally that's good. Legit. You shouldn't do that. Were you texting kissy faces to the other girl? Um. Probs not. Not as much, to be honest. I don't know. Yeah. I feel like the new girl is better. She just already sounds yeah. better. She vibes. sounds like a real yeah. winner. What does this new girl do for her life's work? Uh, she is in marketing. Ooh, she just got. A, I think she just got a new job in Detroit. That's mm. exciting. Marketing. I, I don't. I forget what company. But I like that's cool. It. Well, once I you like have it. like a legit girlfriend, then you don't have to like. It's not as weird, if she stays past five a.m. Right. Yeah. So that problem goes away. Mm-hmm. That's pretty cool. Go for you. Can I be the flower girl at your wedding? Yeah, sure. Great. <laughs> now it's publicly available knowledge. That Maddie is available for weddings and bat mitzvahs. Yes. Um, mm-hmm. Anyway, so, Michael. That's very Is exciting. now the time for you to sing for us because yes. I want you to. Oh, yikes. Uh, I don't even know what song I would sing. I'll sing with you, quietly. <gasps> oh, this is good. You. Are you guys really going to do karaoke? What's everyone's go-to karaoke song? I don't have one. Mine is Love Shack. Oh, that's good. Classic. It's a talk song. Um, so, I mean, I have a list of songs, which I keep on my phone. Like, when I think of a song that's like, oh, that'd be a good karaoke song, I write it on my phone. Are you, like, really into karaoke? Mm-hmm. Oh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Though if All I right. had to choose, my, my go-to song would be uh, Super Freak by Rick James. Oh, sing it. Oh, no. That, that'd you be, have to do it with the music. That'd be awkward to sing a cappella. <laughs> No, you gotta sing like a ballad now. A ballad? Yeah. We could sing. I don't know. Oh, Shenandoah, <laughs> I long to see you. <laughs> Away, you rolling river. <laughs> this is our best talent yet. <laughs> wow, that was amazing. Um, Excellent talent. Yeah. Well, now that you sang, we d- you don't have to do it anymore. I-, I can do different genres. Like what? Um, do like a, a popular song that our listeners would know. Um, a nice ballad. What would be a good song that... I mean, a lot of pop songs are awkward to sing if, if you're doing it a cappella. Like, there's this song I heard on the radio. Um, it's called Roots by... I forget the lady's name. Um, but by a nice... I have no idea. I don't listen to the radio. Oh, you don't? I got no roots, but my home is never on the ground. I got no roots. You should sing a Megan Trainer song. <laughs> Michael loves Megan Trainer. I don't. I don't Who love her. Who doesn't love Megan Trainer? She is a great American treasure. About you. I think she's okay. Who's your favorite musical artist? My favorite musical artist. Um. Oh. Kind of morphing into the archery range now. I know. Do well, we have any know. more heart-hitting questions? I mean, when people ask me what, what music I like, I just, like, hand them my Spotify. Spotify? Yeah. It's easier. 
because I don't have to be like... That's true. Do you have a favorite song you've ever sang? Like a Michael Meldrum? Like if you were like, this is the song that identified my career as oh a singer. Oh uh, <laughs> And you have to sing a little bit of it. Oh my god, this is so funny. Um, thinking about it, what I, the story I told you guys earlier. Um, so there's a Gilbert and Sullivan song that okay. I sang my senior year in high school. Okay. It's called A Wandering Minstrel. <laughs> of course, clearly. Full circle. Full circle. <laughs> I don't know if I remember that one. It's like a wandering minstrel lie, a thing of shreds and patches. You probably it's not too catchy. I mean it kind of is if you sing it a lot, like yeah. I had. Um it I mean it's from like the early twentieth century. Yeah. Um Well that's cool. I like it. Iconic. Do you have any hard hitting questions for Shay? For Michael? Oh. From me to Michael. Yeah. Um, no, Michael, I think you're a delight. Please keep writing in. Yes. We, you your bet. letters are some of our favorites. It's a delight. So yeah. now for the archery range. Archery range. That's my archery range. I like my it. bow. Going. Oh, yeah. 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 Oh, that's better. That's better. Um, okay. What's your favorite book? Uh, How to Win Friends and Influence People by Dale Carnegie. Is that really your favorite book? Yeah, so if you're ever wondering why I have so many friends and influence so many people, that's why. Oh, good. I like it. Um, I actually read a book recently that I know you guys are interested in. It's called Bachelor Nation. (gasps) Oh, Maddie is very interested. I did read that. Did you do that to win my friendship and influence? No, I, I thought I I heard about it on NPR and I thought it was interesting. Oh, my God. We're going to have to talk about this book club, yeah. Bachelor book. I love it. Um, favorite movie? Uh, Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Ooh. That's a good one. Favorite childhood snack? Uh, I like cream cheese bagels. That's awesome. The gluteny ones or the non-gluteny ones? Oh, gluteny ones. Oh, yeah. Wait, Actually, why don't you eat gluten? Sorry, not to, this was another question I had. I mean, it was just this thing I started doing in high school, like, I think it was like freshman year. Oh, wow. Yeah. You were really head of the curve. Yeah. Um, there was just days that were just so nebulous. Um, I, I would just always have headaches, and I had trouble keeping focus, mm-hmm. and I guess I felt bloated. That sounds like an old person problem, but... <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> well, it's like a real it worked, thing. so now you are... Yeah, it makes me feel better. But no but more least... gluten Gluten free. All right, back to the thing. So, gluten bagels. Favorite um, snack. Favorite television show. Well, right now. Yeah. Um, I mean, my favorite thing to watch on TV is NBA basketball. But if I had to pick an actual TV show series, I, I go Game of Thrones. Oh. Have you? How far are you? So Michael and I have this thing because we started watching Game of Thrones together, and I would watch one episode every six months, and then yeah. Shay and I started watching it, and I haven't watched any since Shay moved away. Really. I think we we're on season four. So we're on that. We watched like two episodes of the fifth season. Yeah. So here's my thing. You, you guys. <laughs> we're savoring. You, you guys go at such a s- slow pace. It's like it's like if someone left out a bowl of potato chips and you just had one potato chip. We have self control every month. Yeah. Yeah. Savoring. Savoring. It just it right. doesn't make sense. <laughs> How long do you need to think about each episode? Like. I mean, they're chock full of stuff. They are. Because I get upset when people get murdered. Who's your favorite Game of Thrones character? Um, I don't know. They're all terrible in their own way. Um, Mm. I think each one is insufferable to a point. Mm. Um, But it's still your favorite television show. Oh, I like Peter Baelish. Just because of the way he talks. Oh, God, that gives me the creepy heebie-jeebies. Does he give you the creepy Hebrew Jesus? <laughs> yeah. I'm going to put that on a loop like and that. send it to Shay. <laughs> no. Oh my god. That's amazing. Um, uh, favorite year of school? Favorite year of school? College or before that? Just any year. Whenever. Um, your favorite year of life? Fifth grade was pretty tight. Oh. It's all been downhill since then. Yeah. I don't That's even know cool. why I go on. What was your favorite role in a musical? Or a play? If one of those was your favorite? In eighth grade, we did Bye Bye Birdie. Oh, yeah. And I was Conrad Birdie. That's a good one. 
Um, that's a good one. That was, I would that like... was pretty fun. I got to um, pelvic thrust in front of everyone's parents. So. Ooh, that's good. It's Maddie, do videos exist of Michael playing these iconic roles? Oh, Maddie? yeah. I can hit up Mary Meldrum and she'll send me infinity videos. Oh, sure. I love it. I love it. It's well documented. There's all sorts of stuff. I never saw the, the Bye Bye Birdie thing because Michael and I were Your not friends friend? then. It's in the library of oh. Congress no, we, at this point. We didn't go to the same middle school, so I didn't see all the middle school uh, stuff. They did so. Bye Bye Birdie at your middle school, Michael? That's mm-hmm. pretty, pretty. I love it. Scandalous. Yeah. Um, well, favorite beverage? Uh, well, I, I like water, but... Um... <laughs> Wow. I like water. A more too. interesting answer is is Fresca. Is that oh, like LaCroix? Fresca. It's better than LaCroix. It's LaCroix um, is a very millennial it, thing, I feel. It's juice. I, I get it every time I go on the plane. I got it on my trip here. Is um, that like your special I thing? I feel like everyone has their special like plane thing that they do when they travel. Yeah. yeah. That's exciting. All right. Well, that's all the questions I had. Shay, do you have anything else for our delightful guest? I am good. Um, Michael, you've been a delight. Thank you. Campers, thank you for tuning in. I actually had one question for you guys. Yeah. So I I, I was having a conversation with my mom the other other day, um, and we were discussing the subject of how cities attract millennials to them. Like, what do they do? To just not suck a whole bunch and have jobs. That's it. Yeah, that, that's what I was thinking. Like the obvious answer is just have job openings. Yeah. Um, I think that's really all it takes. So, and not yeah. be and like affordable housing. Yeah. Affordable housing. Or just like different things to do. Because like New York's not affordable, but like people come here because there's jobs and there's interesting. And things it's to do. New York, baby. That's our answer. Good question. I like it. Yeah. Thank you. All right. Well, thanks, right. Michael. It's good being with you guys. Thanks. Thank you. Bye, campers. Bye. Bye, campers. <laughs> Creepy. That was Bye, excellent. Campers. Thanks for listening. Camp Adulthood is hosted by Maddie Yergi, Resident Youth, and Shay Keats, Camp Adulthood. We are produced by Jenny Mayfield, and this episode was recorded in Maddie's living room. You can find us on social media at camp underscore adulthood. You can email us hello at campadulthood.com. And you can visit us at campadulthood.com. Please also find on our website, there are links to our Patreon page where you can be a subscriber and there are many cool prizes. Thanks, campers. We hope that you enjoy your stay at Camp Adulthood.